Hi guys. So do you wish life actually came with a manual sometimes? Do you also have that feeling that when you're a teen, you can't wait for your 20s to come on and then your 30s and then once you get there, you feel like you're a bit lost. You go through college, you finish, and then you're like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Today's guest She actually wrote a book on that called Your 20s. We're going to go a bit deeper into that, but hopefully she'll be able to answer some of these questions for us. If you've ever felt alone, misunderstood, or like your story didn't matter, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Pretty Sure, the podcast where we explore the fun in life's ups and downs. Join me, your host, in a mix of guests from friends, to thought leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and experts for some raw, unfiltered, and frankly, hilarious conversations. We'll chat about our struggles as millennials, the joys and pains of being single or in a relationship, life and biz lessons, and some inspiring takeaways too, because remember, no topic is ever off the table for us. Hi, I'm Sabrina, your new best friend, and every week you can expect kindness, support, and some tough love, because you'll be damn sure I'm going to be calling you out on your shit when you need it most. Pretty sure we're in for a wild ride, so saddle up and let's go! Great. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Um, So, Jess, you wrote the book Your 20s. Please tell us how you came up with that inspiration. Was it specific thing that happened in your life? Was it, you know, how did you come up with the idea of being a writer and write the book Your 20s? So, yeah. So I, you know, in college, as I was growing up um, and experiencing all the wonders of, of college, I was sitting there one day, I think I was it was after, um, you know, a night of going out and we were, you know, the, the late night kind of back at someone's, someone's apartment with the, with the late night crew. And I just was kind of sitting there in reflection and thinking to myself, well, there should be a book for this stuff. And, and I think that was kind of the initial seed that was planted. And as I went through and graduated college, I, um, at the end of my time, I always wanted to study abroad and I wasn't able to do that during school because I was pretty involved with, you know, my sorority clubs and, and just, you know, didn't want to miss out on anything essentially. So I decided, well, I'll do, I'll do an internship in New Zealand. So I went Mm -hmm. to uh, New Zealand and lived there uh, for two years. And it was a really interesting experience because I, it was the first time I was away from my family. I'm big family of six. Um, Mm. It was the first time that I was choosing something for myself without knowing the the, the plan. There was no plan. It was like, go learn and just experience a new place. And I think all of that mixed together really provided me a huge opportunity just to start to feel into my own inner voice of wisdom. Like, and it started with little stuff, you know, what, what path, you know, which, which place should I go to today? And, and just kind of rather than kind of trying to figure it out with my mind, tuning into what, what that inner, you know, that whisper voice that sometimes says, go for it, do this. Or, and, and oftentimes yeah. I never really paid attention. So, uh, so I started just really trusting myself and through the experiences that I had 
I gained more confidence in, you know what, even when that little voice inside me guides me to something that doesn't make any sense in my mind, I can trust it because I know that it's, it's, it's the right next step for me. It was kind of this way of eliminating, right, the out, outside noise, whether it be, you know, the p- teachers that always had advice or your parents or your friends. And I guess I just realized how much I was taking in everyone else's um, thoughts, opinions, looking to get validated for every choice and and being over there and, and having that chance to just kind of tap into this relationship with myself in a new way was was really where the essence of the book was born. And, um, and I knew, I was like, oh, I got to write this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so what actually drove you to go to New Zealand? Because that's that's pretty far from California, right? So it is. what, you know, how did that come to be? Was it just like, oh, I need to find myself, you know, I'm going to go on a eat, pray, love journey? Or was it like, what? Tell me. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny you ask because it. I followed a guy there. Um, oh, we, there's always a guy. There's uh, dang those guys. Yeah. We, me and two of my girlfriends went to Vegas when we were 21 and mm-hmm. it was our last night. We were dancing on the dance floor and we met these three Kiwi guys who were traveling all around the U S in, uh, just road tripping. And we hit it off. We danced with them, ended up going to Denny's and, you know, did the whole, you know, just Denny's 2am kind of thing. And yeah. one of the guys, he was like, Hey, let's, let's keep in touch. I'm going to be working in Canada for the next year. And I thought, well, okay. And I just thought, whatever, I'll give it a try. I mean, who knows? And he was cute and we'll see how it goes. And so I finished while I was finishing up my last year at Chico state, we kept in touch and he, he came to visit me. Ironically, the weekend he came was father daughter weekend for my sortie. So here, here I am welcoming my dad, you know, Hey, come to father daughter. And, and here, here's this guy I met in Vegas. And dad's like, huh? You know, it's just, like, just the most bizarre, you know, kind of timing there, but we really hit it off. And then after I was done with school, finished out my summer, uh, summer job, he was like, Hey, I got to go back to New Zealand because, uh, my grandpa's sick. And he's like, I want you to come with me. And I thought, well, God, I've never studied abroad. It's an, it's an English speaking country. So, you know, cause I didn't, I don't know, I'm not fluent in any other language and they had a huge, uh, tourism industry. And that was one of the pieces of my major. So I thought, all right, why not? I got nothing to lose. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. And was it hard to get a job? Like how did that whole thing happen? What did your family think? First of all, <laughs> were they like, you're crazy or insane? What happened to you? They were just kind of like, okay, you know, we support your, you know, whatever you want to do. And the plan was, you know, cause I, I went over, the plan was like, okay, go for, for a year. I got a working holiday visa, um, which allowed me to, to work, you know, a cert, there was certain requirements for how many hours you could work a week because, you know, you're on a tourism visa, right? So you can't get a full-time permanent job or anything like that. But so when I was first over there, I just got a lot of odd jobs. I'd work for uh, day-long um, event staffing, uh, whether it be you know uh, a convention or um, you know those people that you see um, with stands in grocery stores, like doing wine tasting. Like maybe one day I was a rep for them, and uh, mm-hmm. I worked at weddings. So it was a lot of just contract work, um, which was good because. My other side of my major was events, event planning. 
So it gave me a chance to figure out if I really wanted to do events. And honestly, I, after all of those different experiences, I'm like, I don't, I don't really like events. So it was, it was good for that. Um, and gave me an opportunity to kind of explore because there's so many, I didn't realize, you know, you could be an event planner for conventions, for individuals, for, you know, there's all these different segments of events. So I kind of got a taste of each of them. But my parents and everyone was was mostly, I mean, luckily they met the guy we were dating for a year. <laughs> um, but still, everyone's like, whoa, you're so brave. And, and, you know, that experience, looking back on it, I do sometimes just reflect and go, if I could do that, you know, I can, I can make this hard decision. And it's, and it is a reference point for me that just gives me confidence to explore new things and take risks when maybe I wouldn't have if I hadn't done something like that. Wow. That sounds amazing. Literally like a dream. That's crazy. It was bizarre and fun and, and wild. All, yeah. All at the same time. <laughs> Did you think you were going to last that long over there? Like what was your plan when you decided to go? Yeah, the plan was to go for just a year and then mm -hmm. him and I would move back to the States and figure out which country we liked living in the most. And mm -hmm. at the end of the year, you know, I was finally making friends. I had memorized my bus route. You know, it was just <laughs> little things that make home your, you know, where you live feel like home. And yeah. I, I got towards the end of that year, I actually got a position with a marine tourism company called Explore NZ, and they did marine dolphin uh, marine dolphin uh, tours, lunch cruises, dinner cruises, all sorts of marine tourism uh, activities. And that was really, I think, I was like, well, I want to stay and see how this goes. You know, I'm finally feeling comfortable and making making friends and loving my work. So I ended up staying for another year and him and I, we, he sponsored me under the partnership visa. And, uh, and that gave me the opportunity also to work full time for a company. So yeah, we stayed that second year and, you know, every month longer, I was like, is he gonna explore, you know, how to get a visa in America? And there were all those unknowns because, I, here I was really, you know, when you're in an international relationship, you have to think about things that you don't normally do in, you know, local relationships, like what country yeah, do you sure. want to live in? Like where, you know, where do you want to have kids? All these different things. So it kind of forces you to think long-term even after two years of dating. <laughs> so that was <laughs> a little- Two years is still long-term though. It is. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, if you can make it past two, I think, I mean, you, you have a good- good chance of knowing the person, right? Inside and out. So he just, he wasn't really taking action or anything. And I just had to really, it was, it was a really, really hard decision, but I just had to make the decision that, you know, I need to do what, what feels good. Right. And listening to that inner voice, because, um, it's just started telling me like, it's time to go home. It's time to go home. And in my head, right. I'm like, I just memorized my bus route. I have this great job. I love this man. So that was the huge catalyst for for and, and the huge jump that I took in in trusting that that inner voice. And I, I call it in my book your ness. And so you mm -hmm. can add you know ness to the back of your name, and you've got your own vocab word for for your inner voice of wisdom. <laughs> 
Oh, I love that. Yeah, so that's so, why your Instagram is Jessness. Yeah, Jessness, everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. I'm definitely going to start using that. Yeah, like okay, so, so that is like your Sabrina ness, right? Like when you're in flow. Yeah. Um, yeah. That kind of thing. I love that. And how was it moving back, right? Because you went from, you know, living your whole life somewhere and then moving abroad and then going back to old life, for example. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was hard and it was, it was hard for multiple reasons because one, I was in a way felt like I was moving, I was going backwards because I moved back Mm -hmm. in with my parents and hadn't lived with them for six years because of school and then New Zealand. So that felt strange moving back in and, and also going through a breakup and kind of coming back to my hometown. And a lot of my friends had moved away and kind of, you know, starting over again in a place that felt familiar. And that was kind of a bizarre feeling having both of those, you know, holding both those experiences together. It was, and, and I also had, I don't know. It seems like after every breakup I go through, my skin just breaks out. It, 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 it's some, I think it's tied to identity or something because it was really just who am I now and what what does this next step mean? And I and with each day, you know, I was I was my eyes were open and I was paying attention to, you know, what is what is, you know, why did this um this message come through? What, why did I need to come home? And it's not like you land and it's like, here, you know, some angel comes and says, here's your itinerary. Here's why your, your inner <laughs> guidance system told you to come here. So I, I tried my best to keep an open mind. It's like, okay, this is an experiment, but it was hard. It was, it was hard. Yeah. And it was yeah. awkward, but I had to trust. <laughs> it was just a big fat lesson in trust. <laughs> For sure. And did you want to stay, you know, in the same city or were you now considering moving elsewhere or like what was going on in your mind? Because obviously you did a whole 180, right? First of all, when you moved over there and then when you moved back and then, you know, the whole thing of like, okay, I think I have to figure myself out. Like how, how are you, how did you manage to move from there? Sabrina, you're taking me back. I'm like, I'm like picturing myself like back sitting at the de- my mom's desk using her desktop computer and at the time i was just i was slightly frantically applying for jobs i was i'm like anywhere but home you know anywhere but you know and so i was kind of broadening i want to i want to work for applying for social media jobs events like i didn't care i was kind of just yeah i know events didn't work, work out over there but like i need I need to get out of my parents' house when really it's, you know, what a great landing pad, right? I mean, what a great opportunity and how lucky and grateful, you know, I am to have that. But, you know, at the time here I am, you know, 20, 25 going, oh God, you know, I need to get back out there. So I just was applying for jobs everywhere and it took, I landed in September back in America and it took me until December to land a job. And it was right before, uh, it was Christmas Eve, actually. And oh, wow. it was so crazy because maybe, and it took that, that hiring process took like a month and a half. It was, it was just so tedious and long. But like when I found out about it, it was one of those things where I, I woke up in the morning and, and you know, when you get kind of stuck on a topic or, 
obsessed with a subject and you just, yeah. the minute you wake up, you're thinking about it and you're perusing, you know, online about it at night. Like that was the job hunt for me. And so that one morning I woke up and was looking at the job boards and I saw recruiter, like, you know, recruiting position in Salida, which is, you know, that's, it's a small town. That's where my parents live. And there's no corporate gigs in Salida. I thought this, this has to be a, you know, maybe it's Salida, Colorado, who knows, but, um, (laughs) called my friend who worked at this company and she goes, Oh yeah, they just opened that office. And I was like, no kidding. And she referred me. And, and so I went through that process and, and then started working as a recruiter, um, in Salida as an engineering recruiter. And if, I mean, if I were to rank the topics of things I was, I I knew or was comfortable with engineering would be last. Like I had no clue what half the time I'm like, am I speaking another language between, between the acronyms and and the different uh, tools that they work on and work with and all sorts. So started recruiting, uh, worked there for, for nine months, got promoted to the uh, Bay area office, which then just there, that's where I went. I, I launched into just, kind of my my journey of the bay and worked as a recruiter for 5 years and and now I'm still working in tech but um for my day job that is and and now yeah working in uh, another position within there but it was a journey wow and do you think you ever want to leave let alone California but the states again to go somewhere else or did you just you already live that you're done you now you want to stay home yeah i I'm going to stay here because I've got, I'm so close with my sisters. I just, yeah. and that was a big, also, I think, reason why I was wanting to come back, you know, in hindsight, right? Looking back, just wanting to really put my stake in the ground in a place and, and, and build my career. You know, I'm a capper, I have like five planets in Capricorn. So it, it just, you know, really starting a career and, and learning and wanting to establish some, you know, savings and buying a house. Like I have a Taurus moon too. So I'm just all about, it, it just makes so much sense. But, but I just really wanted to, to be close with fam and friends because we've got a fun fam and we do a lot of, of, you know, hosting. And so I just didn't want to miss out on anything that they were growing up with. Yeah, for sure. I can, yeah. I can see that. I can see that happening. That's mm-hmm. great. That's that's really nice. And did you always okay, so here's what I'm thinking. You thought about writing a book when you were in New Zealand, right? Mm-hmm. How did the whole writing thing start for you? Like, had you always wanted to be a writer? Was it just something like I have a story to tell now I'm gonna try to write it? Or like how how did that thought pop into your mind? Yeah, I so when I was in New Zealand, I got really into all uh, the other thing I got into was fitness and and wellness and got my um, health coaching certificate from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and started writing a blog on those topics and, you know, different recipes, fit, you know, you know, the drill, fitness and health and that kind of thing. And through that, I started to practice writing and it's so different writing for an assignment in school versus writing for yourself. It's because you don't have to do it. Um, you, and, and it's the first time writing for yourself on a topic of your choice. And of course there's assignments like that in school, but really just having, you know, a free for all 
here's your platform, go for it. It it gave me the opportunity to listen to what is my writing voice? You know, what is my style? And I learned, oh, it's it's very conversational. I really, I really do mm-hmm. talk to the reader. And so I got to practice writing just over there. And so when I moved back, um, you know, bet- probably for about a year, I didn't do any writing on the book because I was like having an identity crisis, right? And I was not feeling confident and just yeah. feeling a little bit like I was in this kind of holding period. And so it wasn't until I got promoted into the San, uh, the San Ramon office and lived with a couple girls I met on Craigslist. And we, uh, you know, I, I had my, you know, my own room and it was whatever. It was just something about the independence and, and gave me the, the confidence to like, you know what, I'm going to do this and mm-hmm. made an outline and started, you know, and I had no idea how to write a book and I didn't do much research on ways that people go about it. So I just thought, okay, I got to start with kind of, what are my topics and listed them all out first and, and looked for, can I group any of these together into chapters? And, and then one day I was looking at that list and I thought, you know, these could all be summarized into five overall topics. And then I thought, oh my God, those topics are what I think 20-somethings go through the most change and transition. And so it mm-hmm. just kind of grew from there. You know, I just started there and and that having the topics, uh, I decided to write three micro chapters within that topic and then yeah. started thinking about what the format of the chapters will be and then, you know, just chipped away at it. And so I probably took from that moment of creating that initial outline until publication was, I mean, five years, uh, oh, wow. three of those years being like, Oh, you know, I'll work on it here and there. And mm-hmm. the last two being, I got to get this, this out there because I wanted it to be something full written with it. I was still in my twenties when it went live because mm-hmm. that was a fun way to write it. Cause it's not like, Hey, this is what I think you should do. It's like, Hey, no one's got it figured out. Me neither. But like, here's yeah. some stuff that worked for me. Try it. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Honestly, I feel like five years, it's an insane amount of time, but a lot of people spend a lot of time writing books. Why do you think that is now that you've written a book? Is it because you kind of get tired of it or it doesn't drain you? Like how? How's the whole process? Because it's tedious as F. It's just it's <laughs> tedious. It, it, um, you have to, for me, and maybe it's different for other people, but like for me, mm-hmm. it's, it's tedious and you have to even, you know, cr- creativity isn't something that just kind of, you know, you wake up, you know, you, you drink some coffee, you're like creative, you know, whatever it, it ebbs <laughs> and flows. And so yeah. sometimes I'd sit down and I'd be like in the flow and it'd be great. Other times you sit there and you're just like this, nothing's coming, coming out, nothing's coming through. So off and on. And then just having to really be disciplined. I'm, I'm not the hugest routine person. I kind of go through ebbs and flows with that too, where, you know, a couple weeks I'm like, woo, yeah. Okay. Every morning I'm doing something to move my body when, you know, the next week I, I just can't get out of bed. So, I mean, maybe something with our hormones, right? Females, there's uh, obviously there's a natural ebb and flow to our energy, right? So we got to yeah. work with that. But I think it's just the the discipline of even if nothing's coming through, 
having the discipline to sit your butt down and write is, is the key. And then the editing, you know, cause there's, I love writing everything out, like boom, 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 going, going. And then you have to also have the double discipline to go back and then edit, right? What you wrote, kind of go back and review. And uh, so it definitely helped me learn, okay, there's got to be a process uh, when when doing this and sticking to it is key. So yeah, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm in book two, you know, I'm writing book two now and it's, I'm coming up against the same, the same things <laughs> again. <laughs> Yeah. Do you feel like now that you're going at it a second time, you kind of are more prepared and do things more systematically or it's like a free for all? It doesn't matter how many times you've written it. You still go through the same. Yeah. I feel like at least so far, what I fe- what's different about this time is I'm doing, I, I block out five to six hours in one day and I'll just dedicate that whole day to writing. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas before every morning I was getting up at five and writing until about seven thirty, until I had to go to work. So that's, that's been different. And I find there's something about, um, not being rushed and knowing that I have all day that really allows me to relax into writing. Cause if I'm feeling rushed, it feels forced. And you know, there's, there's more of that anxiety that's there. Like I got to get something out. So that's that's been a big change, which I've seen successful in terms of just you know having a solid day of of writing, and, and those days feel so good to me. I just I love it. <laughs> you feel more accomplished, right? Because you actually managed to do something. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and usually it's a Saturday. And the other thing too is it's it's a way for me to really connect to my justice. You know, when I'm writing, that is my channel to connect me to my you know, the universe, right? And so a lot of times there's some really synchronistic things that come up when I'm sitting there all by myself writing is something will come through. And I know that that was something downloaded from something greater than me. And so that Mm -hmm. is something too, that I, I really love about the process because each of us has a way to connect right to that wisdom. And for some, it'll be writing for others. It'll be running for others. It'll just be sitting and listening to music or swimming. So it's, it's finding the activities that, that help you to be totally 100% present and open to whatever guidance comes through. And it may not come through also as words in your head. It may come through a song or something you see on a billboard or commercial, you know, it's just, but it's being aware, being open, um, and still enough to hear. Hi there, I'm Sab. And Val. And we're inviting you to... Orb. What is Orb, you may be asking? Well, it's our new four-week program where we're going to teach you about... Everything you need to know to become an online relationship building expert. Are you excited, Sab? I'm so hyped up because this is something that people usually ask us all the time. How do we get amazing guests on the show? How do you get, you know, all of your jobs what we need to do and all of those things. So if you're listening, we invite you to sign up. You can find the link in the description box and also in both of our bios. Have fun and I hope you guys are ready to up-level your life. See you inside Orb.
Yeah. I love that. I love that reframing. <laughs> and how did you – okay, so you started writing the book. Did you start immediately pitching it to publishers? Did you wait till it was finished? How did you go about that whole process? How does one go about, I'm not an author, but now I'm writing a book and I want to publish and sell it? Yeah, I – so I waited, you know, I lollygagged too long to get the thing, you know, I, I didn't have time by the time I was done mm-hmm. writing. I was 29. So I'm like, God, I got to get this thing out like this year, you know? And I also- Now, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, like today <laughs> on my birthday. I'm like, ah. But I, I had done some research on self-publishing and mm-hmm. what I liked about it was one, you you as the writer have full ownership over the cover over what you want to call it, over, mm-hmm. you know, what you put on the back text and, um, everything. So I, I liked the freedom that it provided. Um, mm-hmm. I also liked the opportunity, like the chance to not have to ship it myself. Cause there was some, there's some situations with publishers that, you know, the, the actual author will house or store a large sum of the books and then, you know, distribute it from, from their house or, you know, that they're responsible for storing it. Whereas uh-huh. doing the self-publishing on Amazon, they actually print on demand. So it's not like a bunch of books or, you know, living in the Bay, it's not like anyone has room for a, a room full of books you know, just for storage. It's like, no, but so that was also something too. It's like they print on demand. I don't have to deal with shipping and mm-hmm. it's, it's worldwide. So I just kind of, I was like, you know what, I'm doing that this first round and, and see how it goes. And, and the publishing route, I'm definitely interested in it, but it's, mm-hmm. I, I still have more research to do because I am going to try and go that route for book two, but I want mm-hmm. to see there's every, every publisher has got its own vibe, you know, and own style. And someone that another author had given me some advice. She said, you know, look for the publishers that publish books with your type of style? You know, is it, you know, because yours is conversational, are there other books that have that same, that same vibe or, um, on similar topics, you know, kind of like Hay House is all self-help and spirituality. Um, and so each publisher has that, those kind of themes. Um, so that was a good tip too. Cause I'm like, huh, I got to look in my bookshelf and see where these, where these books were published. Yeah. I'm going to Bar- I'm gonna go to Barnes and Noble now and check all of the That's books. It. Yeah. Who's published. <laughs> exactly. So um, my next question for you is, now that you've written one, you're already in the process of writing two. Do you want to turn this into a full-time thing and be an author completely? Like just dedicate yourself to write books? Is this more of like a passion slash hobby? Like what oh, is this for man. you? I would love to just be a full-time writer. That would be amazing. But um yeah, they're, they don't pay the bills, uh, <laughs> like straight up, you know, it just, it, it's something that I love. It connects me to my, my channel. It connects me to, you know, that inner voice of wisdom, my justness. It's something that I, I think I'll always do. And if I get the chance to do it full time, it's a, it's a hell yes. If, um, if I don't, then I, I can't see myself not having writing as a part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. I just feel like I'll always have, you know, I, I don't know. I, I always have little flashes of, of, of like downloads. So I'll be writing, I'll be driving, right? And I'll, I have a notebook in there. 
Um, it's not the safest thing, but you know, when you get those quick downloads and you don't write it down, it, it goes away. And I think that's something that creativity, the essence of creativity, you know, it's in the moment, it's sporadic, it's inspired by something you either see or experience and you, and it basically, you know, I think Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this in her book, uh, big magic. And she's talking about how, creativity will come and tap you on the shoulder and say, you know, do you want to create this? And your job as the creator is, um, is to partner, right? Co-create with that essence that of creativity. And I love how she frames, frames what creativity is and how it's a co-creation because that's absolutely what I, I have felt with the first book and also the second. I feel like there was this topic that I wrote a lot in my, usually it starts out right writing a lot about something in my journal. And then the way my brain works is like, well, how can this be relative to other people or can it, you know? And then it was just this little flash of, you know, spiritual invitation where it was like, Hey, let's create this book. And I I do feel I have a commitment, right. To bring it to fruition. Um, so so it's, yeah, it's a commitment with the unknown, essentially, which I've never thought about it as the unknown, but it really is. <laughs> it's trusting, trusting that the words are going to come through. I love that. That's definitely true because they come out of the nowhere, right? They it's do. just like you draw them out of blank space, basically. Yeah. You probably experience that with branding, right? You're just driving along and you just get an idea for a color sequence or, you know, some a copy that you want to, or something you want to change on your website. So I yeah, feel like sure. it works the same in different mediums. Yeah, exactly. Totally true. So going a little bit backwards to when you were saying that you had an identity crisis. So this is <laughs> one of my theories. Tell me if I'm wrong. When you hit like 24, 25, I like to call this the quarter of a century crisis because I know a lot of my friends and me myself, you know, hit that point And I was like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? Like, am I where I want? Maybe I don't have a boyfriend, this or that. So like, mm-hmm. was that the point in your life where you had that crisis or, you know, how did there that was, thing? Definitely that was part one, uh, identity mm-hmm. crisis. Part two came three or four years later, right after the book was published. And mm-hmm. then the, the man at the time that I was living with and, and we had talked about marriage and all this stuff, you know, broke up with me. So I, yes, I feel like there were two points in my twenties that had that really just blaring, like, who the heck am I? And it came, and I, and again, I think as a writer, I'm so keen on looking back and reflecting. And mm-hmm. what I noticed was just, oh, it's, it's the moments that I feel like I have it all figured out, right? It's the moments where you are like, I, I've got the, all of the things that I assume or have been told my whole life that mm-hmm. I, I need to have in order to be an adult or feel happy or be a contributing member of society and all of that crap. Um, it's, it's the moments that you're like, yeah, I checked all the boxes and you're like, well, now what? Oh, and then it crumbles and you're like, wait, without all of those things, who am I? And Mm -hmm. that, that has been a really big lesson over the last 10 years for me because so much of my identity was tied to the things that I did and were doing and had, 
you know, like the Mm -hmm. external things. Like I have a boyfriend, I have a full-time job, I'm saving for this. Um, I live with my boyfriend. I'm, I know where I'm going in the next two years. I'm going to buy a house, you know, all that stuff. And when really those are just things that we do, those are just things that we have. Those are part of the journey. Those aren't who we are, who we are is at our core, you know, the essence, you know, our, our creativity, our, um, emotions, our, um, our ideas, like our innate value in being born on earth. Everyone is born with this innate value, being a human period. You know, you don't have to do anything, um, to feel that value, but in a lot of ways, that's what we're told. That's what we're programmed and brought up to thinking. So I think, for me, identity crisis came when I was starting to really open my eyes to uh, who who I was and redefining mm-hmm. what those measures are, and and they and they are no longer the external factors. Like I'm a podcaster, I wrote a book. It's like, yeah, those are things I do, but again, who we are at the core is is just a okay as we are with, with doing whatever path, whatever, whatever that path may bring us to, um, and include along the way. Okay. I like that outtake. It's good. Yeah. I definitely can see that. And so from changing from your twenties to your thirties, do you feel like there has actually been a change? Like, is it, you know, how's your experience been looking back? So I'm 31 and I'll be 31 and a half in July. <laughs> I love birthdays, so I <laughs> got to throw in the half. But so, I mean, what, what, you know, two years almost in the, as 30 somethings, the main thing that I've realized, and I've been single, you know, since, since the last guy, um, that, you know, we, we parted ways and I just mm-hmm. feel more, I don't know how to put it into words, but the feeling is like something like, I'm going to do what I, what I feel like I'm going to do without waiting on anybody else. I think so much of, you know, I've always had long-term relationships and stuff. So I think I've always been used to having that lens on like, oh, what are we going to do? And is this good for us? And will he want to move there? Or is that something that he's interested in? And now I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy a house in the next two years and I'm not going to wait for somebody and I'm going to see if I can do this on my own. And so there's much more of that kind of, uh, energy I feel in my decision-making. And it's like, I'm not waiting around, you know, if you, if you want to catch up, go ahead. But, um, I'm no longer going to overly put myself in like situations in order to be noticed by, uh, by men specifically. Cause I think I, I made it a little too easy in the past to be like, Hey, like I'm over, you know, I'm available. It's like, well, you know, what? I'm not doing that anymore. I'm, yeah. I'm worth the chase and I'm going, I'm going forward and I'm doing what I want to do, uh, whatever that might be. And, and again, it's like, it's only been a couple years, but that yeah. is a shift that I felt in just like, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do and whoever wants to come is great. If not, that's fine too. I'm cool with it. I'm just more comfortable with myself. I love that. Well, I'm, then I'm looking forward for my thirties. <laughs> yeah. I feel, I feel like so look- you just get to a point where you're like, you know what? I like, she's not so bad. I could hang out with her, you know, referring yeah. to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. That's funny. What do you wish you would have known, you know, when you were 20 that you know now? I wish that I reminded myself that 
at the end of the day, you know, you're going to get a bunch of different messages from all Mm -hmm. over. And now, you know, nowadays with social media, it's times a thousand, you know, it's just not only do we have TV shows, you know, Instagram, Facebook, the whole nine yards, family, Mm -hmm. all of that. I wish someone had, would told, would tell me that just because you're hearing all of these messages and some of them may make sense, run it through your own system, run it through your own inner voice of wisdom and get, and it's okay to filter. And if it doesn't resonate, trust that, you know, throw it out the window. And I'm not talking about being totally closed minded and only, and, and not open to hearing other people's feedback and perspectives. That's not it. But anything that has an impact on how you feel about yourself, the decisions or paths that you want to take, um, feeling bad or uncomfortable with the interests that you have, whether it be not something that people see as a fit for you or, or any of that, just running through all of that feedback and opi- the opinions and, and just filtering out, filtering it out and, and keeping what resonates and throwing the rest out. Cause that is never really, um, you know, I, I just never was told that or reminded of it. And so I think that would have saved me a lot of time and energy trying to, you know, carry out these plans and goals that other people saw me doing, uh, rather than just going, you know, that is, that doesn't work with my system. I don't want to do that. And, and just switching gears and trusting that the gears are, you know, that your own voice right inside is, is guiding you to the right next step. That's amazing. So my last question to you, you kind of already answered the one that I already, that I always ask my guests. So I'm going to ask you a different one. Okay. What is the number one thing you have learned over the years that has allowed you to be confident in yourself? I think that the people that judge you and the Mm -hmm. people that you're scared of, you know, that, that prevent you from feeling your, your most confident, those people are that way because they're not taking the risks and putting themselves out there like you are. I saw this quote that summed this up so perfectly, like the people doing less are always going to be the ones that are criticizing you because there's this, and there's this term in New Zealand called tall, tall, uh, what is it? Tall poppy syndrome where no one wants to be the tallest poppy. And it's kind of like this, Okay, here's a good example. If you are in a class and there's a curve, right? And it's mm-hmm. a bell curve, yeah. but someone still gets an A plus, everyone's pissed off, right? Because the people getting C's are like, oh God, you know, that person got an A, so now I'm still gonna get a C. It's that same kind of thought process because once you realize, you know, there's always going to be those people that snicker in the back, that um criticize what you have to say that aren't comfortable with their own vulnerability so they don't recognize mm-hmm. or respect yours when sharing. Um, there's always going to be that. And just know that it's it's not about you. They are actually projecting their own um, insecurities onto someone that's doing what they wish they could do. And so just having that having that mindset of when I put myself out there, it is one proving to others it's possible. And you really got to put the peanut gallery, just close the door on those that are going to snicker and balk and do all of those things. They're always going to be there, but they're always going to stay there. They're never going to experience life to the fullest. So it's to me, it's like having that kind of compassion for those that um, 
that are, are, you know, sitting there and kind of judging and stuff and knowing that putting yourself out there, even though it's uncomfortable, um, each time you do it, it raises your self-confidence period. Like think of it like every time you do something scary, you're putting a marble in a jar and that thing is getting fuller and fuller and, and you're being able to, um, tap into the confidence because we all have it within. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, chipping away at it and, and welcoming it into your life and, and helping it kind of, you know, go carry with you about your day and, and what you do. Wow. That was a great <laughs> metaphor. Yeah. Kind of a long winded answer, but that's me. <laughs> no, I love it. Very writer of you on brand, on brand. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> No, but that was actually really beautiful. And I I definitely have to agree with you on that. Like you said, um, in the video we did, if you guys haven't checked it out, um, go check out the Instagram. It is on Instagram TV. We did all about things you wish you'd known when you were 20 school and stuff like that. And I do remember you saying like, step into the fear. So I think that brings the whole theory full circle, right? True. Totally. (laughs) Well, Jess, this has been amazing. I'm so, so glad you decided to come on today and tell me your story and for everyone to listen to, you know, what your book is about, the behind the scenes and everything. I'm so excited. I'm also so excited for whenever you do release your new second book. Um, Hope you let me know. Definitely shout out to you. (laughs) For sure. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'll definitely let you know. And yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on. And you know, I don't get to talk about often the the process of writing and, and all of that. So that was cool for me to, to be able to reflect with you today too. I find it fascinating because I, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to study journalism, but then I would have had to restart school and it was like a whole ordeal. And I do like to write blogs here and there. I've always been fascinated by books, but I'm just like, wow, that sounds so tedious. And whenever I know someone that has done one, I'm like, ooh, tell me more. How does it go? You know? Yeah. Hey, when you're ready to write that book, you let me know and and I'll we can we can I'll tell you the new stuff that I've learned from from book two. <laughs> the tips I'm and definitely tricks. gonna give you a call whenever I do write a book because I feel like you're just filled with knowledge on that. So you're gonna be the first person I call and be like, I have an idea, Jess. Awesome. Give it all to me. Need awesome. your help. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks again. And guys, um, if you want to check out Jess's Instagram and her book, you're going to find the links in the description. And ours, as usual, if you want to go check the Instagram TV, I do release a vodcast weekly along with the podcast. And thanks again, Jess. Have a fabulous day, everyone. See ya.